0: Well, today we're going to be closing out our yearly series on the Arkansas that God sees. This is a vision series that we do because it's incredibly important to us that we're not just doing our own thing, but that we are seeing Arkansas, seeing our cities and communities the way that God sees them through his eyes. And so this is a little bit of a family talk, if you will. If you're visiting with us, I'm glad that you're here because this is going to give you a sneak peek into who we are as a church, what we're about, what God has asked us to do. And this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you something that's incredibly important to us as a church. And I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. But before we get to that, uh, I want us to, to watch a video clip from our lead pastor, Pastor Rick Bizette he's going to talk a little bit about his heart for what god is doing here in arkansas some of the things that god has allowed us to do this last year and uh, i just encourage you to open your hearts just lean into what god is asking us to do as a church as a campus uh, as we as we look at the arkansas that god sees and wrapping up this series let's watch this clip together
1: hey new life church i am so excited about this series i love talking about vision i love talking about all that god is doing and in fact right now i am in a chapel and i can't help but think about all the great things that have happened in this room The people who have met Christ, the marriages that were healed, people that got their hope back. I think this is very important to all of us, that we get the hope of God. I was reminded of this when I was recently at a grand opening. A lady came over to me and she said, Pastor, Pastor, can I tell you something? And she gave me the most unique story of new life that I've heard in a while. She said, Pastor, I have been in seven different cities in the state of Arkansas where there was a campus of New Life Church. And she said, and we went to all seven of them. She said, recently, my husband was told that we're going to move to Fort Smith. That'll be the next one. I said, be careful over there. That pastor's crazy, Marcus Brown. But I asked her, I said, what are they like? Like, you've been to so many different ones. Is there anything that is the same? What did you notice? And she went through this list without even knowing. She went through the list of our values. She said, you know, when I went to these places, I noticed that the presence of God was important. Like, you could sense Him there at everyone I went to. She said, you could tell when they opened up the Word that the Word was important, the way that they would hold sacred the Word. She said something like that. Then she talked about the relationships and how they value souls. And, man, she just went through it all. She said she met new friends. She got involved in life groups and... She was very encouraging to me. You know, at New Life Church, we have a plethora of different types of churches, different sizes, different places that they meet. Five of our campuses actually have to do set up and tear down, which means they get up early in the morning just to create a building where they can have church. And then after everyone leaves, they then have to tear it down. This happens at five of our locations. We have a variety of other type campuses as well. Some are in really small towns, like in BB and Greenbrier and other places. Others are in larger cities, like in Little Rock. And Our Conway campus is a huge building. We have every type of place, but the values are there. If people can't see, if they cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. This is when game is on. This is when it's most exciting. Well, there's a lot of vision that we have and a lot of things we have to say yes to. One of the things that we keep doing is adding campuses. You saw that, and, but what's next? Well, in two weeks, we're going to be in Benton and Bryant. We've been praying for that campus for a long time. I'm very proud of the Denmans who are going there and the Smiths and many other families are going to be leading there. But in January, January of 2018, we'll start our 18th campus during our 17th year as a church. This is going to be exciting because it's going to be in Mayflower. I'm always driving by Mayflower, and I keep thinking, why don't we have a campus there? And now with Brian and Libby, uh, we know that they're going to pastor very well for that campus. So thank the Lord for the Polston family that helped Stells gear up for that. Mayflower, it's huge. Please be praying about the launch of that campus. But where else are we going to go? Well, we don't have it all designed. So I can't give you a city. And I can't give you a date, but I can give you what we're praying about. We've always prayed that we would be in Jonesboro. So many people live there and saying, please come, please come. And there's a huge group of people who used to be a part of New Life Church that live in that city. So we are praying for that city. Would you join us in on that prayer, please? Maybe even God would ask you to help us plant that church. And then Texarkana. We certainly have to be on the border of Texas. You just have to go there. And what about Northwest Arkansas? We already have a great church there. We know that Jason and Ashley are some of the best leaders that we have. But they want to start more campuses in that area. Many of our people live there. Please be praying about that with us. Also, we're doing missions all around the world. But our missions for 2018 is going to focus... In a strong way with local churches. Right, we're going to be planting churches. We're going to be working with existing churches. We're going to be adding dream centers. Like a huge effort that we have with Bon Landry right now in Mexico is starting dream centers. And it's going extremely well. I can't wait to update you with that. And speaking of dream centers, our vision has always been for every campus that we have that they have dream centers as well. Not just a church but a dream center. This is what Jesus would do, so why don't we do the same thing? But to train people for that takes a strong initiative. So we have the school of ministry. Many people ask me, what is the school of ministry? I think we have the right name, but if I could call it anything I wanted to, we would call it church school teaching people how to pastor a church, how to lead worship, how to work with kids, how to be a youth pastor, how to work with admin, how to help with the serve teams. There's so many things that have to happen to start a church. And in fact, we know you have to have a city, which means you have to have a lot of prayer. You have to have a pastor and teams ready to go. So they learned that in the school of ministry. It's something that we should have started years ago, but the timing was perfect for us this year in January and I thank God for all of you who have helped pull that together. I'm asking you to pray about being a part of the school of ministry. Just give that prayer request to God. Consider it in your heart. Another thing that's great for us is OBU at NLC. What a miracle when Washita Baptist University decided to let us have a campus. We're not even a Baptist church but they were willing I love their relationship with us, and I thank God they gave us a chance. I pray we'll never let them down because what an incredible university. So we take young students, and we train them for a few years, and they get their associate's degree, and it's easy to merge into the rest of their college life right there at OBU at NLC. In the middle of it all, we know life groups are important to us because we have to grow larger but smaller simultaneously, I encourage you not only to be a part of a life group, but if you have a burden for a ministry of any kind, whether it's related to people or a curriculum, I encourage you to help us start life groups because we have to succeed relationally. It's one of our values. You know, I don't know how many sermons I have done at New Life Church, but recently I was talking with some pastors and we were talking about the biggest series that we've ever done or the most important. And a few of the pastors, without hesitation, said, it's when we did that series, we are not okay. I can remember that series well because it's the only series that we've ever done where I apologized for the way we phrased something. Because for years, I would say this, It sounds good initially. It almost sounds biblical, but it's not. This is what I said for years. You can come to New Life Church and never get involved and you'll be okay, but you'll never be as strong as you could be. And you can come to our church and casually attend and New Life Church will be okay, but it will never be as strong as it could be. And that seems proper seems biblical but it's not because the truth is if you come to new life church and you don't get involved you will never be okay and in fact you will not be well and new life church will not be okay we will not be well because it's not a scriptural church the scripture asks for us all to do our part in the body It's not wise or not right for the hand to say to the eye that I do not need you because we do need you. So again, a better way to say it is you will never be okay and you'll never be healthy and the church will not be okay and the church will not be healthy if we're not doing our part together. But unfortunately, I think a lot of churches, including New Life Church, we create more of a casual atmosphere at church. It reminds me of Jesus when he went back to his hometown. The Bible says they were listening to him and they saw that he was a powerful person. But the scripture says that nothing powerful happened there because they just saw him as the carpenter's son. The scripture even says that a prophet is without honor in his hometown or even in his home. So they were going to a synagogue. They were sitting around hearing him teach, but nothing powerful happened. It even says in one scripture that he could not do miracles for them. It does not say that he wouldn't. It says that he could not because their hearts were far away from him. You know, as a pastor, that is very intimidating to me. I do not want a church where the people are casual and cavalier in their approach to God. I want people fighting to please Him, to worship Him, to serve after Him. Not to be consumers, like teach me the Word so I can go home. But contributors, like what is next, Oh holy God? So if you're seated there... And you realize, you know what? I'm really not okay. I'm not doing well. I'm not helping with this vision. What can you do about it? First of all, I love that question. And I think the very first thing is for you to be committed. At a grand opening when it gets really exciting and everybody shows up and they go, this is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to do my part. That's exciting. But what about a year later when you're having to do the same things over and over? What about 16 years later, like some of our campuses? So if you were there and you're wondering, where do I get started? I have to say, just make a decision that you are committed until Jesus comes back. And in fact, one way to frame that is if you knew Jesus was coming back in a year from now, how would you live today? Gosh, I get so excited when I see people living that way. I've been to the Dream Center to serve there. And I've seen people get out of their vehicles to serve at the Dream Center. And you can tell they've never done it before. They're not dressed appropriately. They have no idea what to do, but they're there. And then as they serve, you can see the light comes on that it's doing more for them than they're doing for the greatest needs in their city. I love it when someone says, you know, I don't know how to do that many things, but I can paint. I wonder if they need me to help paint or I have a camera. Do they need anyone to take pictures? Do they need me in any way? There's so many needs. And in fact, when you look around at New Life Church, I think one misconception could be this. You could look around and say, everything is covered. They don't really need me. But what you may not know is we have to say no to most of it because we don't have the resources. We don't have the finances. We don't have the availability. Like, there's not enough people saying, I'll go. I'll help. And so, yes, we're accomplishing most of what we're aiming at now thanks to you. But to some of us, we're never going to accomplish what God is calling us to do without everyone doing their part. You know what, as pastor, I am completely convinced that some have a casual relationship with the Lord because they don't feel good enough or worthy enough to move in and do more. They just don't have the confidence. You know, some people will come to our church for years, four or five times a year, and really never getting involved, just watching online. Like, the weather is a little off that day. Let's not go. It's sort of a casual, and I just want to ask you, please, let's get involved. Let's all do our part because we can make a huge difference. I also know there are people that come to New Life Church, they're just so busy, they can't figure out how to bring the Spirit of God into their full schedule. And I'll say a good place to start is to go home with your family and ask God to give you a chance in life. Like, Lord, will you move into my schedule and show me how we can get involved in the vision that you've given us as a church? You know, we are a church family, but we're not okay because God has given us a big vision and we're not moving forward until everyone says, I'm all yours, God. Here I am.
0: Send me. It is amazing to see everything that God has been doing uh, in our church through our church. Um, but the truth is, it's not just because of vision. Yeah, vision is, is so important. That verse, another another translation says this that without vision people cast off restraint or they go crazy. <laughs> so it's important to know what we're aiming at and where we're heading. But the truth is our vision can adapt, our vision can change something, but there is something that's very important that doesn't change. And Pastor Rick mentioned it a couple of times, our values. That's the true strength of who we are as a church, it's our values. Back when I was in high school, around my junior year, I hurt my back uh, diving off of the second deck of a houseboat um, because I'm not that smart sometimes. And uh, and so I kind of like hyperextended my back and and uh, and so I wound up having to go to a chiropractor and physical therapist and stuff. And when I went there, they said, well, this could have been much, much worse um, if, if you didn't have any amount of core strength, but you need to have even stronger core strength now that you've hurt your back. It's not as strong as it needs to be. And for me, I like being in high school and sports and stuff, like I was working out all the time. Like I, I, you know, three, four times a week I I would go and work out. And so to hear like, I'm like, everything is strong. Like, don't tell me it's not strong enough. The truth is this though, you, you could have a really, really strong upper body or even lower body, but it's all cosmetic if your core is not strong. If who you are at the center is not strong, CrossFit people will tell you all about this. They'll tell you way more than you ever want to know about what they do and all that. But they they know in that particular type of workout how important the core is. So next time you're at your gym and you see some big dude in there, like, you know, neck thicker than his head and like 36 inch biceps or whatever, just go up to him and, Tap him on the deltoid and be like, yeah, but how strong is your core? And then walk away. He'll probably punch you. But, uh, but this is also very true when it comes to the body of Christ. In the same way that your core and your physical body, it's the source of health and movement, gives you good posture. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. Christ because we can add to the exterior, we can build buildings, we can have a lot of things that look cool and could be attractive to the eye. But at the end of the day, if our core is not strong, it's just cosmetic. We have to have a strong core because it's having a strong core that allows us to be healthy in our movement. It helps us to be postured well in our community to be able to serve and make the difference that God has asked us to make. So core, core values in our church, we have eight of them. And that's why I want to I talk through these. Uh, if you've been to our Connect classes, this is one of the things that we teach on. Pastor Rick mentioned a couple of them. But I want you to know these values. I want you to know the foundation of who we are as a church and why we do what we do. So... I'm actually going to be kind of counting these back as they are listed. But first, or the eighth one that is listed is we believe in a church that is stronger when everyone serves. Church is stronger when everyone serves. And Pastor Rick mentioned that a ton. Like we're not going to be as strong as we could be as a church when we don't have everybody doing their part, being involved. But here's the thing, man, it will change your life. I got to meet with some of our young adults this last week, and one of the things that was a theme in the conversation we were having was how them getting plugged into a serve team, into a serve group around Little Life or a parking team or the worship team or whatever it is, how that and being involved in serving in that has changed them. Like it's changed their hearts. It's helped their relationship with God. And we believe that every single person has a strength that God placed inside of them that is useful for serving in the church. And the, and the thing is this, it doesn't matter what role it is or how someone is serving, it is all connected to souls. No matter what you're doing, the guy that helped you find your parking spot this morning, it's important that he knows that what he just did helped pave the way for somebody to have an eternal address change because somebody found a parking spot that hasn't been in church in a long time or never been in church. And they're able to come in here and experience the presence of God and have an opportunity to receive relationship with him. We believe that our church is stronger when everyone serves. Number seven, we believe in life giving relationships. We want you to find some of your best friends in church. And we know that you can't force relationships and they have to be organic. But when you get around the things of God and you get around his word, I believe that this is a place that you can find real relationships. Because what I find is most people, even if they've been in church their whole life, if they've never had life-giving, genuine relationships, there's not actually one person that they could really call their best friend. Because a best friend will know all of your stuff. They'll know all your sin. They'll know the mess and they will love you and embrace you and give you grace through that, they'll also love you too much to leave you there in it. And I believe that God has called us not to just have Facebook friends, not just have people that'll like a post that we have, but we have real relationships with real people where we have our ugly cry face, where we have real conversations about the things that are messing with us in life. I believe that when you don't have that and you isolate, you get weird. Like the weirdest people I know are Christians that don't have any real relationships. And you wind up being like Tom Hanks on that movie, Castaway. Y'all remember that movie? Like his best friend was a volleyball named Wilson, and he talked to it. That is where you are heading if you don't have real relationships. And we believe that a church can be a place where you find those relationships, and have that community specifically in life groups. Look, I don't think you can develop real relationships one hour at a time in a service. I mean, that's ridiculous. None of you that are married would think that's going to work with your spouse. Hey, looking forward to our hour this week to talk. Don't ask me to do much more than that, though. Life groups, it's doing life together. It's community Number six, we believe that Christ's followers should be authentic and grow in their walk with God. I worked at another church before I came here and I remember when I, when I met Pastor Rick, I had been in kind of a corporate setting as a church and you, you just the way that you handled yourself, you had to keep things together. You couldn't, you, if you were having a bad day, you could not expose that to the people around you. And I remember when I met Pastor Rick, I was taken back by how real he was acting. And I met him in a church and I'm like, "I like, do. I don't know if you're allowed to be like this real in church. Like, It was refreshing. When people are real and authentic, it's refreshing to be around that. Now here's the deal, is being real and authentic an excuse to never let God change you? No. You can't use these excuse, well, this is just who I am, and I'm a jerk, and you're just gonna have to love me and accept me. No, God wants to change you. So we're glad you feel like you can genuinely act like a jerk, but we also know that God wants you to have a heart like his and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. We don't want people to wear masks. We want people to be real because there are people that walk in here and they are putting on a front, and there is something that is broken in their lives. They're not talking to anybody about it. We have to be real. Romans 12:9 says this: love from the center of who you are, and don't fake it. Don't fake it. Growing up in church, I remember, especially when my parents' marriage really started struggling. There were so many Sundays when I remember driving to church and it was like wars and rumors of wars in our vehicle. I mean, just like yelling, screaming, shouting. And then I remember pulling into that little parking lot at that church and it didn't even have to be said. It was like a switch got turned and all of a sudden everything's fine. And as soon as we stepped out of our car, and as we walked up to that building, well, good morning, brother. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen. (laughs) Just love my family, love life, love everything. And I remember thinking, I guess Jesus is not okay with us being messed up. I guess Jesus is not okay with us actually saying, no, we yelled and screamed all the way to church today because our marriage is in trouble. We can't be that church. We have to be a church where we're real and we're authentic because the joy of the Lord is our strength. I want this to be a place of freedom in worship we want it to be a place of freedom where you express worship to God. So you'll see people raising their hands. You'll see somebody maybe jumping around a little bit. You, you may see somebody expressing, but you don't have to be anything. We just want you to be you and be open to God. And our messages and our sermons, like we want this to be, this is a place of freedom. Like some of us, we grew up in churches where like some, something funny would happen and you couldn't laugh. Like you start laughing and like the mean old church lady give you the death stare. Like she didn't have to say a word. The look said you're going to hell. <laughs> we want this to be a place where you, you experience freedom. Number five, we believe excellence honors God and inspires people. Excellence in, honors God and inspires people. New life, look, we strive to do our best and give our best to God. We don't always hit this right. We don't always make it to the point of excellence. But we want to give more than is expected. We want to do more than is expected. We want to give extravagantly. Because God gave us his best. He gave us his only son. And so our hearts are, we just want to give God the best in everything that we do and everything that we are. In Malachi, in the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 1, the Israelites, they were bringing these offerings to God, but they weren't their best. They were bringing these messed up sheep, these blemished sheep, and they were keeping the best for themselves. We don't want to be a church that keeps the best and then brings God the leftovers. Or we keep the best and bring the people who are visiting or the people who are unchurched or de-churched or hurting and bring them the leftovers. We want to bring our best not the leftover of our energy, the leftover of our money, the leftover of our creativity, the leftover of our worship, but the best, because this is what God did for us. In Ecclesiastes 9:10, it says this, "Whatever you do, do well. God has never done anything average. <laughs> God has never been a C student in our lives. God has always brought his best and we just want to reflect the character of Christ. We want to reflect the character of God in everything that we do. Number four, we believe the presence of God is vital in everything that we do. Look, we work hard to make everything excellent. We, we work hard to try to to get things as perfect as possible. We understand this. It doesn't matter how gifted we are. It doesn't matter how organized we are. It doesn't matter what kind of system we have in place. None of that matters unless the presence of God helps us because none of those things change people. Only the presence of God changes people. Only the presence of God heals marriages. Breaks through strongholds and addictions. Only the presence of God softens hearts. It's only the presence of God that heals people. And Exodus 33, 15 says, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. And this is the heart of our church. God, we're going to be prepared. We're going to do everything we can to be excellent. But at the end of the day, if your presence isn't with us, we don't want to do anything. So please, God, let us experience your presence and we see it. I had a woman come up to me just a couple of weeks ago. She said, hey, I just want to come and introduce myself. I'm the woman that's been crying in every service during every message ever since I started attending here. Because every time I come and sit down, it's like God is speaking directly to me. And it isn't that crying is always the manifested presence of of God, but but for this woman, it was definitely the case that that was just God showing up in her life. And time and time and time again, as we meet people, even people that come through Connect classes, and we ask them, what is it about New Life Church that that drew you here, that that made you want to come back? And sometimes they don't even know how to describe it. They don't know how to qualify it. They're they're like, oh, it's like, there's just something different there. Something's going on that is, I just feel that I don't know how to say it. And we love that they don't know how to say it. That that's just the innocence of their approach to God. We could tell it, that's just the presence of God. That's it. That's it. And even people when they have pulled onto our our parking lot, just pulling onto our parking lot, like yeah, there's something. Something is going on here. Something's different here. And it's not us. It's His presence. Number three, we believe that the modern church should be relevant. The modern church should be relevant. This is an eternal message that does not change, but we want to package it in a way that people can understand it, in a way that relates to their lives, that makes sense for them. The methods, we were always going to be changing our methods around here, but the message is, never changes, the gospel never changes. And I promise you, as your pastor, we will never water down the message of Jesus Christ. We will never water down the gospel, but we will be open to how the Holy Spirit leads us in the ways that we present it, in the ways that we offer it and package it so that people can understand it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 it says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. That is who we wanna be as a church. And in the Bible, Jesus did this all the time because Jesus would connect with people on their level. A lot of times when we read through the parables and the things that we talk about, like it doesn't seem that relevant to us, but in their day and in their time and in their lives, man, it was the most relevant thing because he would talk about the things they understood. He would talk about farming. He would talk about raising sheep. He would talk about crops. He would talk about things that they related to. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, imagine Monday you went out and you're missing one of your sheep. You are like, we don't have sheep. We don't relate to that. But I do believe this. If Jesus was living now, he would use phrases like Google, an interstate, an SUV, an iPhone, the things that we would relate to. I mean, he, he would be, he'd be like commenting on all your Instagram posts about how much he loves you. He'd be hashtagging his tweets with hashtag Jesus Juke and hashtag WWID because it wouldn't make sense for him. Some of you will get that later. We want to be able to reach people. At one point, Jesus got in the boat He told Peter, he told the fishermen, he said, hey, cast your nets out like this. And and they did it. And then he caught a bunch of fish. But then right after that, Jesus said, can I get in, let me get in the boat with you. And Peter's life was changed. We want to be a church where we get in the boats of people's lives where they're at. Where we relate to where they're at. So in our music, her worship is going to reflect the sound of today because music doesn't sound the same today as it did 30 years ago, including worship music. But we also love hymnals. We love the lyrics. We love the history of it. And so we'll, we'll throw some of that in every once in a while, but maybe with a new sound. But we're always going to be willing to change. One of the biggest examples of being relevant But Doctrinally Pure is a series we're going to do at the end of November, beginning of December. It's called The Big Screen, where we take movies that have been released recently and we'll show clips from those movies and then we'll talk about the biblical principles that we can learn around that. I mean, we're going to be eating candy and popcorn and drinking Coke in church. But what are we trying to illustrate? It's not just in church where you can learn from God. It's your day in and day out life what is God trying to speak to us? What can we learn? We believe, number two, we believe God's word is sacred and unchanging. We live in some strange times when people are aggressively drifting away from the word of God and away from its truth. What we need today more than anything is to be firmly founded in the word of God. It's our lighthouse. It's our anchor. It's the thing that keeps us in his will, in his plan and purpose. And we can't just interpret it any way that we want to. We have to let the Holy Spirit teach us and stay firmly founded in it. Second Timothy chapter three, it says, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And number one, as it's listed in our core values, we believe in the value of a soul. Every person has a soul and every person's soul is valuable. And they matter to God. And because they matter to God, they matter to us. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11 says, he also set eternity in the human heart. John 3, 16, one that we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When you read through the Gospels, what you will see time and time again is Jesus leaving huge, huge crowds of people to pursue individual souls. Just for them to know how important that they are. And as a church, we will do anything short of sin to reach souls. The value of every one of them we are driven by the reality of eternity we we want you want to know what drives me as a pastor it's this it's it's souls like what drives everything that we do the decisions that we make it's this it's the value of souls how we view our finances it's the value of souls how we plan every service it's the value of souls Why we need you to serve, it's the value of souls. We're driven by the reality of heaven and hell and in eternity, it's so important. When you die and face God, you'll have to give an account for your life and what you did with it and how you responded to this man named Jesus. And we're driven by making sure that that day that you stand before God is a really good day, that you have the opportunity. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. It's a long time. And so we just want to get people an opportunity to get it right. It's about His presence, it's about His word. So every weekend we give an opportunity for people to receive a relationship with Jesus. we believe that you can make that a private decision in your chair. We also would wanna teach you about water baptism, how important it is to go public with your decision to follow Jesus. This is who we are as a church. This is our core. I'm thankful. I think at our core, we are very strong. But also know this, you can help us be stronger by carrying these values with you, by letting them motivate you and challenge you and exhort you to be fully committed, to to ask God to show you how does he see it? How does he see the people around you? How does he see this church? How does he see our city, our community? How does he see our state? If we do that, I think God will continue to move and use us. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and on an honest assessment of yourself and your life, where you're at, you would admit that maybe, maybe you've been faking it. You've been faking a relationship with God, but you've never truly surrendered to him. You've been lukewarm. Or maybe you just never, you've never given him your life. You've never surrendered to him as your Lord and savior. Or you just need to get back on track. You need to rededicate your life to him. I wanna pray with you this morning there's a sign of your surrender and that is a sign of of just confessing that that's where you're at and that you need him if that's you would you please just put your hand up right now as soon as i see your hand you don't have to keep it up i'm not going to embarrass you but i just want to know who i'm praying for if that's you this morning anybody in this house thank you got it thank you yes ma'am anybody else I just need to get right with Jesus. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you so much. Got it, bro. Thank you. Anybody else? I just need to get right with him. I know I'm not, I don't have him in my life. I'm not right with God right now. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Got it. person raise your hand just talk to God right there in your seat just say this just say I know I need you Jesus I know that I'm a sinner I can't save myself I believe you died on the cross for me right now I ask your forgiveness for my sin I surrender my life to you and I want you to have control I want you to be my Lord and my Savior come and and speak to me. Help me to understand who I am in you. Help me to understand my purpose in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for my new life in you. Lord, I thank you for every person that made that decision. Lord, we thank you for what you've been doing in and through our church. God, we want you to move from every one of us individually a personal revelation of your kingdom and your call and your purpose. We thank you, God, for giving us grace and loving us and, and forgiving us, but also giving us a job, and giving us a purpose that is bigger than us. Man, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I think we had seven people raise their hand. Let's give God some glory for that this morning. Come on.